Welcome to Find the Outside, the podcast. I'm Tim Merry. I'm Tuesday Ryan Hart. Wonderful. And we're going to dive right in today. I'm excited to get into this one. So uh, just before we got onto the pod, I was chatting to Tuesday and we had another topic, which we'll get back to later around systems change and parenting and all kinds of stuff. But I was like, Tuesday, I would love to talk to you about kind of the spirit of change the the journey and spirit that we all go through as individuals when we're kind of involved in large-scale change work and and partly because I'm in those questions myself um, but uh, also because I feel like it's integral to the work and it doesn't you know it's not often lifted up I think the, the, the strategy gets lifted up and the methodology gets lifted up and the theories of change get lifted up um, and you know how we navigate the hierarchy and the power and the inequity often gets lifted up in our work and uh, so I think it's important for us also to lift up not just the personal journey because I think there's a I think there's a mental health journey one can be on or a, a a personal leadership journey one can be on where you're learning skills but actually there's actually something of a journey of spirit a spiritual journey that I think people go through when they're truly engaged in fundamental change work and I wanted to kind of like put that on the table in between us today and mm. uh, I'll kick off more in a little bit and, and say why I wanted to kind of bring the conversation but maybe any kind of framing and intro from you choose as we dive into this. Yeah, I love that, Tim. I, uh, I'm so glad we're doing that. And I feel like um, as much as we talk about uh, all of the aspects of our work, this is a bit of our work that we haven't talked about much. And mm. I feel like um, I love that you brought this today because I feel like there's no way I'd be doing this work that we're doing, systems change and equity, if I hadn't been in undergoing in the midst of my own kind of spiritual transformation. They feel completely intertwined to me. Right. And I think I see, I think I feel like I see the same thing in you. And I also see it when we talk to the outsiders. Yeah. And so it just feels like this is like this part that's kind of booing us or carrying us along or challenging us and moving us to be more of all of that we can be in our work. And I think that shows up in the rooms, whether it's explicit or not, which I think often it's not explicit, but it does feel like it shows up in the rooms all of the time. Um, so I'm really happy to talk about this today. And I wonder if by talking about it, or I guess it's not a wondering, it's a hope. I hope that as we talk about it uh, a bit more in explicitly, that it will give a little more permission for this to be in our spaces as well. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me frame it up to get it going and like why I was like, no, no, let's talk about this today. <laughs> sure. And then we'll and then um, and then knowing us, we'll dive right in and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, so one thing that's happening for me is I'm doing a lot of reading around kind of addiction and recovery from addiction and Mm. how that plays out in families. Uh, There's a lot both in my family and in my family history that has kind of like led me to want to kind of like more fully understand that. And in my own life, bluntly, to more fully understand kind of addiction, addiction recovery and the impacts of addiction on families, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot comes up in that. Of course, the kind of the mental health journey is obviously a key one. Um, The kind of physical journey is a key one. But in in all of the literature I'm reading, they also identify a spiritual journey as key to recovery, as key to healing, as bluntly key to transformation and stability. Mm-hmm. This sense that you're part of something bigger, that um, there is something that lends meaning to your life. Um, uh, and so I think that's been really powerful, you know, to just mm. uh, in all of the 
kind of like data and understanding and like and like registering of impacts and then shifts in my own behavior to begin to understand that and i think in general i've done a pretty good job in my life of you know working on my mental health working on my physical health and kind of like aligning and and uh, those two pieces and as i look at myself i'm like i'm like oh like I, I feel like there's space for me to do some work on my spiritual health. And literally, mm. I was testing Emma last night on her gym class, right? And she has to do a test for her gym class. Who'd have thought it? But anyway, <laughs> part of that, part of part of one of the four indicators of health was spiritual health. Like she's learning it at school. So that word Whoa. spiritual health just comes straight from my daughter's gym test that she's doing today Whoa. good luck emma you'll be great um and so um i just texted her before i came love on the that podcast. yeah isn't it cool so um so i think that's it and then the other thing was listening to i think it was the podcast we did around power with cindy where you mm-hmm. were also just like pointing to the richness of your spiritual life and the spiritual journey that you've been on as i re-listened to that podcast that also turned me inward to like kind of reflect mm. on oh how do i how do I grow my the kind of deliberateness around my spiritual life and and the richness of my spiritual experience in this world and um and so I think there's of course you know there's moments in your life where you see a newborn baby or you hold your first ah. child you yeah. know yeah, or yeah. when I'm walking in the woods and uh and I just experience the rising of joy in my mm-hmm. heart and the shedding of I don't even know what but joy rises to the top, you know, mm-hmm. or when I'm swimming in a lake outdoors near my house and uh, and I'm just surrounded by water and looking up at a clear blue sky as clouds skid by overhead, that I have this fundamental sense of being part of something bigger. I have a fundamental mm-hmm. sense that um, this is all bigger than me. There is a movement and a play at place that uh, I get to sing in chorus with you know and uh but at the same time you know growing up anglican and being forced to go to chapel every single morning for 15 minutes and then go to church every sunday for two hours at school you know boarding school that's what we had to do you know and i loved the hymns but that was about it i loved singing and so Ah. singing has been a huge part of my spiritual life i think um and we'll come back to that i think uh you know i think i'm in this question of like Oh, maybe, maybe just like with our organizations, we say, what's the minimum order that needs to be in place so they can kind of evolve meaningfully and productively without being controlled, mm-hmm. right? I'm in the question now of like, what is that for me spiritually? What is the minimum order? What is the simple framework that I'm willing to put in place in my life um, that can contain and support and uh, help my kind of spiritual journey and just wonderfully you and Gibran recently passed on a website to me that I've ordered a book from and I'm looking and joining one of the courses yeah so that's mm. that, that kind of just to get us going that's a little bit of yeah. it you know obviously lots to say and and lots of listening to do yeah me too oh I just I mean I'm just I feel like I want you to keep talking so um but I'll, but I'll talk just because I feel like this is a place um I think without the language that we've met each other for a long time, mm. you know, um, nature, what we're seeing, what, you know, like how we practice, um, in some ways we've talked about these as personal practices and, um, what nourishes us and, and all of those things that the, the outside, the name of our company, right? Like this is obviously a place that we came together. 
Um, but it's just, I just love to hear, hear you talk about it also because I just love to hear people talk about their spiritual expression. Mm. Um, I find that kind of fascinating in the way that maybe I used to find celebrity gossip fascinating. I find it fascinating, right? Like, <laughs> what is this for you? How does it feel for you? Like, and I just, like you were talking about that. I wanted to ask you a question. Like, you know, the thing that, that makes me feel so connected is when I see the play of light on leaves. And like, mm. I just like, I have experience of like when the, when the sun hits the water and that sparkle feels like God to me, like it's just, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to talk about it. And I feel like um, in some ways it's probably been a little more at the forefront for me in the past couple of years, um, really specifically. And I think that that just uh, really simply came from being at a point in my life where I looked around and kind of said, I have everything I want. <laughs> I have everything I want. I have work that I love and children that I adore and um, I've been married a long time and life is really good and um, and uh, I'm not happy. Mm. And like, what does that mean when mm. you don't, like when everything you ever wanted, you look around and it doesn't make you happy and it wasn't about material things. It was uh, at all. It wasn't about material things at all. It was just like, and, and, and actually how it came to me is how could I be unhappy? How dare I be unhappy? Wow. Um, and so I just was like, well, in the way of who I am, I was like, well, I guess I got to go after this. I got to figure out why I would dare to be unhappy. And in that kind of seeking and searching, I just kind of refound myself and refound um, a deep, both a uh, desire uh, for a spiritual connection, but uh at the same time, for me, I think I was really fortunate. At the same time as I found a desire for spiritual connection, I feel like uh, spirit or life or God or goddess, however, or source, however one might like to say it. For me, it's it's goddess. I've, um, I found that as I experienced this desire for spiritual connection, the goddess rose to meet me. And so it just felt like really intertwined. Like I had the desire and she was right there. Um, and so I just kind of like followed that path and that thread to where it would lead me. And of course, you know, <laughs> where it led me was leaving my 20 year marriage and moving out on my own for my first, for the first time in my life and, um, starting a new business with you. Like all of this was happening all at the same time, doing deep trauma work, right. which to me, um, has, uh. I'm understanding as um, deep spiritual work. It's, you know, it's, I think there's a healing, like you said, there's a healing at the level of physical, there's a healing at the level of emotional or psychological, but there's like a deep, um, and it's not a healing, it's a deep understanding. I think, my, I think your spirit doesn't get, my experience is that your spirit actually is always whole. And so it's actually a coming to know that wholeness um, that's, that is, the trauma work helps me understand my wholeness in a way that is entirely spiritual. Um, and so all of that kind of converged to, um, to the, this, I, I don't even know what to say, the path I'm on now, which is a deeply spiritual path, which comes out in our work together in every way, but isn't necessarily talked about a whole lot. Yeah. Except for with you, you and I talk about it all we the do. time. I feel yeah, like. we do. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we're friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things I've really noticed 
and I, I said this to you recently, was like just how increasingly grounded you've become, mm. you know? And I think often in some of the communities I grew in professionally, the kind of pursuit of the spiritual, uh, pers the pursuit of a spiritual path often indicated that someone was becoming less grounded. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like some of the people who I worked with who laid the strongest claim to being mm. spiritual or spoke about being spiritual the most were some of the, felt like some of the furthest from their ground. Mm. Or I, I, don't, I don't quite have language here, but my experience of you is that like, like you're very landed, mm. you know, like in the work we're doing together. And um, there's some kind of like stillness in mm. how you are working with groups that has just grown, you know, mm. that like on a very fundamental level anchors the groups we work with, mm. right? And, uh, um, and I think you pretty consistently receive this feedback, but I don't think, I don't think it's often framed in the context of uh, a result of your spiritual journey. But like as your friend, I would say absolutely is. Yeah. Like there's some like that reconnecting to your wholeness. And of course, I mean, I don't want to in any way underestimate the impact of the trauma work you've done and the, but like but there is some like centeredness, groundedness, uh mm. stillness in how you turn up that has just been growing over the last 2-3 years. Um that has impact how we work with groups and how groups respond to your facilitation and how you respond to groups as they go through all the ups and downs and <laughs> groans and zones and vicissitudes of multi-stakeholder groups figuring out very complex, really difficult challenges, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really just thank you for Thank you for saying that and naming it. I, f I can feel that to be true. Um, I feel more grounded in myself. I feel more whole than I ever have. So I, I can't imagine that that wouldn't come out. Um, and I think that it's interesting. So I don't I mean, I don't know if we'll take a left turn into trauma work because maybe we will or maybe we won't. But w what occurs to me as you're talking about that particular piece is um, – Often we can turn to spiritual, like for, for, what's that word? Is it sucker? How do you, S-U-C-C-O-R for like super? Yeah, sucker or secure, I think. So S, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful word yeah, actually. Like, I know right? exactly like what you, you mean. Yeah, like, you, yeah. Yeah, you turn to that for like comfort and solace. And, um, and it, of course that's beautiful, uh, but that can also lead to bypassing. You know, there's this term spiritual bypassing where you actually don't do your work. You just kind of turn to a spiritual idea or you turn to spirit to kind of get away from your painful feelings. And I think that this for me is where the trauma work and the spiritual work going hand in hand has been so important because I, 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 my direct experience of the mystery often is on the other side of deeply painful trauma work. So it's yeah. not like I didn't I didn't jump over that work to get to get to the mystery. Like and 
uh, it's almost like the mystery carries me through that deep pain. And then on the other side, I can feel it as well. So it's, it's, uh, for me, they're in a, the, the depth, the ground, uh, the hard stuff is inextricably linked to that sacredness in a way that, so when you talk about maybe other folks kind of going to spirit and feeling less grounded, I feel like, um, maybe because it's been through a lot of this trauma work that I feel more grounded, right? Like, it's not like this thing that just feels great. I mean, often it does. It's sublime. It's blissful. I can, you know, we can talk about that. That's great when that happens. Yeah. Also, um, when I'm going into really deep, dark memories, part of why I can go in is because I know I'm held by spirit. And so I can go, I don't know if I'm making much sense, but they seem- making loads of sense. Don't stop. They seem really uh, quite linked to me because my spirit, spirituality just like we've said always 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 about equity work like none of that that we do is based in oh my gosh we're going to create this bright happy future it's <laughs> like you know what i mean it's like yeah this is really hard and like let's try to do better and we can do better and the hope is not for some kind of sanitized bright happy future the hope is like we will do this hard work to get there and believing in it which i think is part of my own uh, spiritual practice. And so that's why I would say it's grounded. And, and thank you for seeing that. I feel that. I feel good with groups. I feel clearer with groups. I feel more grounded. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's what I might, I mean, there's so much to say. Um, but I'm curious if you feel, because you haven't been as, you haven't been as, um, since I've known you, you've been in nature, you found your own solace and succor there, whatever that word is there. Yeah. Um, that's been a part of your practice, but I don't know that, I mean, I'm curious, have you seen that as spiritual always? Are you seeing it more now? What are you seeking now? Hmm. Well, so I think I've always felt that as spiritual, you know? And I think that's part of, um, uh, at least for me, when you when you go away to an institution at a young age, even if that is an institution re rooted in privilege, my parents were paying a lot of money for me to go away to an institution, but there's still, as a young person, like having no parents, do you, you know, that you go through a process of developmental trauma and abandonment as a result mm -hmm. of your parents not being around and growing up in an institutionalized environment, then even mm -hmm. if it was caring, which it wasn't, but even if it was, would have been devoid of love. Mm -hmm. Right, because mm -hmm. your parents aren't there to love you. And so I think, you know, what I always did was turn to nature mm. for love. Mm -hmm. Right? And you'll still see me do mm. it. I mean, you've you've called me out so many times. You know, you know my tell. Is I'm looking out the window. <laughs> I'm looking out the window and looking at a tree. Mm -hmm. Or I'm looking out the window and checking out the sky. Or I'm looking out the window and seeing how the wind moves through the grass. Or I'm watching a bird that's landed in a tree. Or like, that's just where I go. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's where I've always gone in the absence of anywhere else to go. Nowhere else to turn. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's true. And I, and I think that's particularly true, again, of growing up in an institution where we were given a place to go every Sunday and every mm -hmm. day for prayer and for song and for sermon, 
right? Right. But finding right. no secure, sucker, secure. I don't know how to say it. I like, I think I'm caught between North American English and British English, and now I'm just like stumbling <laughs> over my like all my British mates are like, oh god, he's not one, he's not one or the other. Anyway. <laughs> So I think, but finding none of that there, finding none of that um, comfort or security or uh, care in that environment, finding connection in singing. I mean, I remember singing with 600 people, 750 people, just being one of the most amazing things, you know, and that's why like, you know, when we do that song, Bring Me Little Water, Sylvie, with groups, we'll do it, you know, and you do it, you know, you'll do some framing on the history of it, and then I'll facilitate the song. There's something about singing with groups that I still find incredibly connecting. Like, mm. there's something that happens when a group of people sing together in very simple two-part harmony, and something happens to people there that, you know, it's quite, is is a feeling, it's not words, you know. And mm-hmm. so, um, and so I think that goes back to, I found, I found some of that in singing, but I, so I think I've always turned to nature. Um, uh, but I would say that the places that were open to me, that were meant to provide some kind of spiritual uh, foundation, framework, container for my growth, failed me as a young man like they yeah. they didn't do that the anglican church yeah. didn't do that you know though mm-hmm. i loved the singing um <laughs> nice right it's also why i like rugby matches and soccer matches and because like you know you same go, more well you, when you go to a rugby match you could have forty thousand people singing together oh, you know right okay. I mean, it's amazing it's amazing you know beginning of beginning of an international soccer game where the whole stadiums are singing their national anthems. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, mm. you know? So mm. are those things. And I think there's, so there's something in the ritual of those things that I find quite powerful. But I think for me, what happened was, was I got into a regular practice of meditation, you know, like a, one of my mentors, um, uh, who is a very, actually, I think, a, a spiritually grounded person and he had this um, meditation teacher called Prem Rawat and so I kind of began to follow him and started practicing meditation an hour a day and what mm-hmm. I found was the more I meditated the more I encountered my own anxiety and buoyancy the more I mm. encountered the my inability to actually sit still in peace wow like yeah. what happened was when I experienced peace I bounced out of it Mm. I bounced out of it. So I sat down with a friend of ours, Phil, and I told him this experience I was having. And then he said, well, the question you've got to ask yourself is, what happened to you when you experienced peace? Mm. Right? That you bounce out of it all the time, you know? And then that led me into a whole, you know, multi-year therapeutic journey that started with Robert Wright and, you know, you know, in conversations around my sister and multi-generational abuse in my family and then has now led to me understanding my own upbringing and what it means to be have multiple generations raised independent of their families and institutions and how that ties into colonialism and how that's impacting me and how I raise my kids and the whole that whole interconnected journey um so in a funny way, my spiritual practice actually led me into the mental health journey. 
Mm-hmm. And now I'm coming out the mm. other side of the mental health journey mm. and saying, what's the right spiritual practice for me now? Like, or what is, what is it that I want to create as the spiritual container as I really begin to, I'm, I'm getting, you know, the, the other side of the therapeutic work for me or the part of the therapeutic work that I'm in right now is I'm getting to build my life. Yeah. Right, on my own terms. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the most remarkable gift. I mean, I can't mm. even, I just feel emotional even think, even talking about it, the opportunity to build my own life because it's not how I've lived until this time, till this moment really, till the last few months, I think even. And so to feel like it's a choice, uh, mm. okay. I can choose who I want to be. I can choose how I turn up. I can, I can do that from a place inside of me as opposed to in response to others. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I get to do that for my own spiritual journey too. So that's the kind of question I'm in. That's that's where it's coming from. That's how it's coming up in me. And 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 maybe it's articulating what I already know, giving it some shape and form. Like I yeah. turn to nature, but what does that mean? Right. You know? Or maybe there's more for me to discover here. I don't know. But like the question feels rightly timed and full of promise. And very exciting from sitting over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to, I can't wait to figure out what you discover because I feel like, um, I mean, like, you know, we say, I, I think people know this in the podcast, but of course we're business partners, but we're friends. And mm. so what you discover impacts me and, mm. you know, vice versa. And so I can't wait. I can't wait to hear um, where this lands for you. And I, and I guess I feel like in some ways, obviously, you know, uh, there's something about time of our lives, but there's also about the time we're in right now. Like as you described, like you couldn't turn to the Anglican church. I'm thinking, and how many of us have had that experience? We were raised in a church or a synagogue or like wherever we were raised religiously, like we didn't necessarily get what we needed there. And so I don't, I mean, I never had like an, a, abrupt or like turning away from it. It's just like, that just actually doesn't fit for me. It doesn't work for me. It's not where I'm going for my own solace. And, and so it makes sense like in this time when so many folks are realizing the institutions they were raised in, even if they weren't abusive, which many were, but even if they weren't abusive, aren't serving them, that we would begin to like, our, our human hearts still need, still need what they were supposed to give. Hmm. And so you know, we look for what are the ways, right? What are the ways that we begin to feel connected, to feel something bigger than ourselves, to feel a part of something, to understand mm-hmm. what we're here to do and how we get meaning. It feels like that's a very human journey and and likely incredibly timely at this time when so many of our institutions are breaking down. So even if I wanted to believe that for example, you know, you know, I've struggled with like overworking and mm. I would say like, I don't like, I don't, I don't drink, but the workahol, I'll do that one. That one I'm really good at. <laughs> um, you know, when, when even work is breaking down, yeah. right. For people, when you can't even turn to that, that we would be like turning to something else. Um, and, and so it just feels like that I, I think many of us are seeking and searching and wondering and 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 getting to this point in our lives like what is it that I want to be like with the world turning upside down who is it I want to be and what is it I want to do 
And not much feels more exciting to me than that if we all actually made that decision instead of responding. I can't, mm. you know, I mean, I think, you know, we're in our 40s. I think this is the time of life where you like turn around and be like, what? Is this what I want? Is this yeah. how it is? Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, it's, it's the same. Sorry, go up. Didn't mean to. Oh, no, I just, oh, no, I was just thinking. But that feels like more and more of us. Mm. I feel like everyone I talk to is like, wait a second. Mm. What's happening here? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think there is something about the 40s. I think there is, you know. I mean, I was talking to my dad the other day and he was saying that's when he left the Navy. You know, it was like a major ah. period of transformation in his life. And, and um, but uh, I also feel like, like my mum, my mum's a Quaker, you know, which is on some level like an institutionalized religion. I mean, it's more like a, I mean, it's talked about as the society of friends, you mm -hmm. know, but there's a structure and a system in place there that holds people together. And so, um, and so for me, it's like, I think, I think there is a departure from kind of institutionalized religion, but I think some people still find what they need there too mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and i don't i, I feel like mm -hmm. and certainly in some of the communities i live in here there's a real strong emphasis on that and and so i think that is that is part of it but but also for me like that hasn't served me like it hasn't fit for me you know mm -hmm. and uh, like i'll still i'll literally like go to church at christmas so i get to sing the christmas songs and I might just go during harvest season so we can all be like, plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love that stuff. Like, like I'll just, I love it. I love going to sing those songs. But I, I don't get spiritual sustenance from that mm. place. I don't, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think part of it for me also was that in the kind of community I grew up in professionally, you know, where I was saying like spiritual, when people became spiritual, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to become less grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Less mm -hmm. able to engage with the reality of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I also developed an aversion, mm. A, a, mm. a resistance to um, integrating kind of... Uh, spiritual practice or spirituality or a, a practice of spirit into the work right mm -hmm. and and i think you and i connected somewhat on that when we yeah when we first met you know a feeling of like you know there's too much ringing of bells that doesn't echo, <laughs> that that doesn't have sincerity in it that isn't rooted yes. in a tradition or a lineage yeah. there's you know it just yeah it, it, and, and, and us really wanting to take what we felt were like incredibly powerful practices for transformation into the mainstream, into mainstream large institutions, you know, into mainstream change efforts. How does the world of kind of participatory leadership not get cordoned off as a bunch of, uh, I mean, I've been called this like hippie trippy. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff. And so I think we've kind of moved in this really strong effort to like, you know, and others globally, we're not alone to do this. There are many yeah. others in the global yeah. networks who've been doing this. But it's like this kind of sense of like professionalizing and kind of like bringing this world of, of, of participatory leadership into you know, like the real heart of the beast in many ways you know yeah and and saying no we can do this type of work here 
Um, uh, and I don't feel like we've compromised depth by doing that, by sacrificing some of the kind of spiritual trappings that I felt mm-hmm. surrounded the kind of the delivery of the work itself. Um, and so I think there has been, so I think maybe part of this question also is like, well, how does that, how does that depth return into our work now in a way that does feel grounded, that does feel authentic to who we are, that does feel inextricably linked to our capacity to deliver results, you mm-hmm. know, to get the work done, to move through the complexity and scale of the practical transformations that are in front of us as human beings. And, and how does that turn up in a way that it doesn't undermine uh, our credibility to be in some of the rooms we're in? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where I'm going with it, but, but I think that's part of the mm-hmm. journey for me as if like, no, I'm, I'm gonna talk about personal practice, but I'm not gonna talk about spirituality. I'm gonna take the spirituality out of the work and make that my personal journey. Mm-hmm, and continue mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. work on that but mm-hmm. i'm not going to be as explicit about it in the delivery of the work itself until i have my own clarity to then be able to bring it back in you know and i think that's maybe part of the part of the turning point here part of the question here isn't just for me personally it's also for our work and how we deliver our work i love what you just said i think that what you've just identified is a little bit of our next edge mm right? Like, how Mm. do we do that in a way? Um, And it's something I think that we're, that we're currently working on too. But just as you said that, just like even a, even an articulation or a conception or an intention of how we're going to do it, Mm. right? In the way that we've been intentional about bringing in mental health journeys or Mm. um, personal practice. Um, You said so many things there that I thought I just wanted to like pick up the thread because I think often spirituality, and this just goes right to the heart of our work, often when people think of spirituality, they think about um, or their experience of spirituality, their experience of connection in the way that we've talked about it is of transcending differences, mm. right? We're all one. If we just knew that that was the case, Um, If we could just kind of get to this point where I can see that we're all just light wrapped in human skin, right? (laughs) Um, Then um, that's, it's it's true. It's it's nice. It's good. Uh, But it's, I think that for me, that was part of what we found ourselves around rejecting. There was, um, at least for me, uh, there was a... uh, It wasn't even like a spiritual bypassing. It was like a denial of the reality of kind of like what's happening now in these human bodies who are wrapped in different human skins, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And so like that had no appeal for me. It had no appeal to kind of living in the ether where like somehow I've gotten past, you know, this mortal coil into divinity. Like it's not like, that's not what I'm, that's, I don't think, I mean, maybe at some point, but that's not, uh, for me, rooted in how we get real work done that has any idea or concept or commitment to equity. Um, and so I think that that's part of what I rejected. And I was on a really great phone call or a really great podcast. I feel like I should say, we haven't said it, the Awaken 
podcast a couple oh, weeks ago. Yeah, and, right. And uh, it was about your actually personal... that's the one I was listening to where you were talking about the richness of your spiritual life. It wasn't in the Cindy ah. interview. It was when I listened to that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one, and we should we should link it maybe in the show notes too, because uh, it. it was about your personal journey, but very specifically kind of your spiritual journey and your work. Yeah. And uh, someone asked in, it was a really beautiful question around this oneness, right? This kind of like, can we get people to oneness? Is that a place, right? When when you're new, like one of the first things in most spiritual traditions is like, we're no different from anybody else, right? <laughs> like that's like, um, and, uh, and I think that that is uh, a, a fundamental truth. And I think that it's the easy answer in today's world. In, and I know the practice isn't easy. And I know if you're really diving into it, that's not easy. But like, it's too facile. It doesn't meet the complexity of today. Right. And so like, my favorite quote about that is uh, Niels Bohr, who's a f- astrophysicist. And he says, uh, the opposite of a great truth is also true. <laughs> and so it's like, so if our oneness is true, then actually so is our difference, right? Like yeah. that's just as true. And so I think that for me, it is deeply spiritual i'm never i'm thinking out loud here i've never said this in this way but to be able to hold both of those both of those truths as we go into mainstream work and i don't need to say it like that in any room i'm in but i do need to be able to hold as we do this kind of change work that that yes we are all one and there are significant differences and be able to hold that that we know is core to your and i's equity practice and this moment i'm finding it as a spiritual truth and knowing that that's just a, that that's something we can bring in and bring in deeper. And I also think, you know, part of what we do when you talk about bringing it into the mainstream, I'm really curious how we'll, how, how we'll do it, how we are doing it. Part of it is our presence part. Like, you know, you've talked about my becoming more grounded, but I also think part of it is, and I think we've linked this both to our trauma work before, but I can see it in spirit work is like this, unassailable belief that we can do better that's what we bring in um and i think that's that's uh that feels like something i understand because i because i know that yeah because i know that we're held and that's what she wants for us and so there's a faith component to that but I can have that faith as a facilitator and not ever share it with a group and still help a group move toward we can do something better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so whether it's like we can do something better, we can deliver better trainings that help, uh, you know, thinking about our New York work, we can we can train people to be more participatory because they're, they turn around and they train people how to be less, um, have less bias when they're working with families, right? Yeah. So like it's kind of a little bit of a, pass through or whether I can hold that we can do something better when we're talking about restructuring an 18,000 person organization, right? Like that kind of spiritual faith that we can be better together that's unassailable helps in that situation, whether I bring it in as faith or not. Does that make sense? I absolutely think so. And there's something about our ability to like hold the complexity of it all and not get freaked out, hold the audacity of what we're trying to achieve because it's audacious. Generally, what we're trying to do is like, I mean, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, there's a lot of audacity. So there is something in it. Like there's some kind of like groundedness that comes from, you know, I'm now like taking 
an afternoon or a morning a week and I'm going out and I'm spending time in nature and I'm taking a walk and there's something that comes out of that that allows me to hold the audacity of what we want to become as the outside and the audacity mm-hmm. of the scale of work that we're getting invited into without getting freaked out, without mm-hmm. getting caught up in it, without getting um, overexcited about the expectations that are attached to it. There's something about that sinking in that um, makes it all feel calmer. I think less, so. Less, it makes it all feel less important. But somehow more doable. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's so, it's so weird because I feel like I've never been better at my work and yet yeah. it's less important than it's ever been. Yeah. You know what it reminds me? of your and my's mentor, like one of the first things I heard him say was like, I mean, and I know this is like everywhere, but like do good work and then throw it in the river. Yeah, Tolkamula. Yeah, right? I think you should say that with a Danish accent though. Can you? I I can't. Could you, could you? No, I'm not sure I can. I used to do a Danish accent by mistake, everybody, because Tolka had trained me for years. And like, every now and then I would like slip into this Danish accent because I'd heard it so many times oh. from Tolka. So, uh, oh. but uh, anyway, it's funny. <laughs> My, so Chris Corrigan always used to make fun of me. He's like, oh, here he is, tra- you know, channeling Tolka. Anyway. You know what? Sometimes I do. You know what? You're right. Sometimes I do. Like, you'll say something like, that was like Toka. But I don't think I've ever thought it was your accent. I just thought the, <laughs> the manner that which you said it. But like, he's a man with a deep, grounded spiritual practice. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who was, pro- I think, quite masterful at bringing it into his work without always being explicit. Very much so. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. Huh. Yeah. It all comes back around, huh? Well, the song I want to do is I'd like to do um, Sweet Honey in the Rock, uh, Bring Me Little Water Sylvie. Because it's just journeyed with me for a long time, that song, you know, and been in so many rooms with us. It's just one of those songs that I learned in my early 20s. I was taught this, you know, African-American spiritual by an Irishman in a castle in Slovenia, you know, and uh, like the weird phenomena of today's world. And um, and that song has just always traveled with me. It's been a song I've always returned to. It's been a song I've often done with groups. It's been a song that you and I have held together many times, you know, with you being able to speak to the lineage of the song and us learning and me learning. That's a critical part of bringing music into groups and singing with groups is kind of like honoring the lineage of the song as you bring it in and the stories behind it. And and um, so I think... Uh, so I think that's that's part of it, you know, and it's one of those songs I feel that when people sing it together, something happens to the room, you know, mm. and uh, so it's it's like that. It's like that. And there's a third verse that Luke taught me, which I don't think is commonly sung. and I've never heard it sung anywhere else other than Luke. So I'll sing it for you. And Please. it's like uh, and it goes, take me to the river. 
Take me to the now, take me to the great forgiver, every little once in a while. And the bass line is, take me to, take me to the river, take me to, take me to the river, take me to, take me to the river, every little once in a while. And so it's just like, I love that tune. Well, we're going to bring it in really close. So, like, we're just going to come in like we're going to come in like really tight to each other. We're going to come in like even the people at the back. We need you to push it in. You're responsible for the tightness. <laughs> and we at the back, right there too. Should we start with the bases? Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. And what are you guys into the bring me little water or the kind of bring me? <laughs> bring me little water. Okay. Okay, we're going to go for the bring me a little water. Cause yeah, of, all right. Bring me a little water. 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 Every little once in a while. Two, three, four. Bring me a little water, Sylvie. Bring me a little water now. Bring me a you got for us for a poem so i am going to just read an excerpt um from a poem called thunder perfect mind um and i was first uh introduced to this poem in a goddess class i took and it just kind of blew me away and it talks of course about the ineffable um it's supposed to be one of the earliest poems found right um, and I'm just going to read a part of it. And it, why I'm bringing it is because, um, yeah, because it was like one of the, you know, I think poetry can move you in ways that are sacred. And this felt like the first sacred poem I felt that kind of moved me in that particular way. Hmm. So I'm just going to share like just this little part of it um, that I thought was so, uh, it's called Thunder Perfect Mind. I was sent forth from the power, and I have come to those who reflect upon me, and I have been found among those who seek me. Look upon me, you who reflect upon me, and you hearers, hear me. You who are waiting for me, take me to yourselves, and do not banish me from your sight. And do not make your voice hate me, nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me anywhere or any time. Be on your guard. Do not be ignorant of me. For I am the first and the last. I am the honored one and the scorned one. I am the whore and the holy one. I am the wife and the virgin. I am the mother and the daughter. I am the members of my mother 
I am the barren one, and many are her sons. I am she whose wedding is great, and I have not taken a husband. I am the midwife, and she who does not bear. I am the solace of my labor pains. I am the bride and the bridegroom, and it is my husband who begot me. I am the mother of my father and the sister of my husband, and he is my offspring. And I just, like I still, those words move me so much. Um, yeah, it's like she, it's like Tim, it's like she's everything. She's everything. She's, she's all that we want and all that we don't want. She's everything, you know. So, yeah, that's a good one for me. Thank you, Shoes. Mm-hmm. Where does the poem come from, mate? Do you know? Um, or is it they don't know because it's so old? It's very, very old. Um, it's very, very old. And it's uh, right now, it's uh, where I found it is in the Nag Hammadi Library. And I can't give you much history of it. There's, I mean, there's just like pages and pages of things about it. But I, okay. it's an, an ancient kind of document. It goes on, I think. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'd never yeah. heard that before. Yeah. Well, folks, you have been listening to Find the Outside, the podcast. Spirit of change. That's what we've been talking about today. Yeah. You can find all the songs from the podcast on uh, Find the Outside, on Spotify. Go check out the playlist. And then uh, all the show notes and all that kind of jazz are at Find the Outside backslash podcast. That's right. And actually, if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can do podcast at findtheoutside.com. There it is. We, get, uh, we respond to that one. Uh, also, should we just say that we're here at Soundwood Studios right now, and Mark Coffin from Soundwood Studios produces this podcast. Yeah. And the music that you're listening to is by Gary Blake. Wicked. Take care, folks. Till the next time. Thanks.